You can't delegate digital transformation for your company. You and your executives have to own it. Executives need to engage, embrace, and adopt new ways of working with the latest in emerging technologies. And that's where we come in. Welcome to Embracing Change. The business world is changing at a faster pace than it ever has, and companies need to keep up. We interview the most interesting CEOs, CMOs, and other executives to talk about their challenges with digital transformation in their industry. This is Embracing Change, and this is your host, Gerardo Carrick. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Embracing Change. Our guest today is Jonathan Mitchell, Vice President and General Manager of WMC in a, a, is the great, Greater Memphis area, right? And, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan uh, has 30 years uh, of experience in local broadcast, uh, local stations, also national networks. Uh, he's a very, very well uh, um, known leader in in the local TV industry, and we're so happy to have you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me, Gerardo. Show. So, Jonathan, let me start with a you know with a with a personal question. What inspired you to get into the TV industry, and how did so you? So it's, get a, it's a funny story. I grew up in a very socially engaged household. So, you know, I grew up watching local news in Southern Oregon. And at the time, uh, we got local news from Southern Oregon and we also got local news from the San Francisco Bay Area. And my parents being from California would always watch the local news in San Francisco. And then we would watch the local news in uh, my hometown of Medford. So I was always really engaged from the time I was little. The news was always on mm -hmm. in the house. We always talked politics and, and, and news. Um, but when I, when I got older and was getting ready to go off to college, I had a career counselor say, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I want to be a journalist. I want to change the world. And she said, yeah, you should probably be a doctor or a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And at the time I thought, well, you know, really I want to be a professional basketball player. So I guess I'll just, you know, declare a pre-med for my major. And, uh, you know, started going to school as a pre-med major and, uh, had this college roommate that got a job at a local television station because, uh, he had been working in the movie industry in California and transferred schools to my school. And we didn't have movies, but we had local TV and he didn't have a car and I did. And so he was always uh -huh. getting you know, rides for me. And he said, look, you're always watching the news and reading the newspaper. Why don't you come get a job with me at the local TV station? I said, I don't have time for that, man. I'm too busy with my schoolwork. And uh, one day I went to pick him up from work and, and his boss came out and said, oh, hey, you're so-and-so's roommate, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, he says you like news, so I need you to uh, come to work for us. You're going to start work on Monday. You're going to be a floor director. This is on a Friday. We're, start, we're doing this morning newscast, and we need your help. And I said, well, what are you talking about? I'm not going to work for you. And he said, no, no, we're, we're going to have you come to work for us on Monday. Just show up Monday morning, and you're, you're going to start working here. And I said, you're crazy. So guess what I did? I showed up for work on that Monday morning, and I've been doing it ever since. I was 19, and, uh, and I haven't turned back. And and stop, you know, kind of change. I finished my pre-med, but then went back to school and got my journalism degree and, and stayed with it. Wow. Wow. That's an yeah, amazing story. story. So I have my, my college roommate to thank for getting. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's in, it's, it's almost like fate, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, my parents were a little surprised at the time, but you know, once I told them everything was going to be okay, they were on board. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, you know, um, 
that happens a lot. Uh, you know, with kids, we all change. Uh, we, you know, we all change um, careers, right? And even like in my case, I started engineering. I, I did industrial engineering. I ended up working in marketing all my life, and now I'm, a, you know, a, a digital marketing consultant. I changed completely. So even it, what I'm trying to say is, even though you can study something and then throw it, you know, throw it to the bin and get to do something else. Right. <laughs> well, I think if you're passionate about you do, you're going to be successful. I was not passionate about being a doctor. I was more passionate about journalism. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you discovered that, <laughs> right. And that you made the change. So that's fantastic. So let, <laughs> let's talk about the evolution of the TV industry, right? So how have you seen the TV industry change in the last five years? And I know you're talking from the perspective of your, your own perspective, which is the local station perspective. Yeah, right? and, but I think, you know, it's happening. What, what we're seeing happen is not only affecting local broadcast, you know, it's, it's affecting us differently, but it's affecting network as well. And I think the biggest changes you're seeing are, are really coming from the digital disruption. Um, you know, there, there are mm -hmm. so many opportunities for folks to get content now. They don't really need to get their their content from the traditional providers right so before you know when we were growing up mm -hmm. you know you might have three channels if you had over the air and then if you had cable you might have 13 14 15 channels in the in the early 80s uh, then you got you know mass cable adoption in the 90s you know where now all of a sudden you've got hundreds of channels to where 10 years ago you know i mean it was you were, you were getting channels in the 900s, right? Half the time you didn't know what you had. And then in the last five years, you started to really see a shift away from, you know, cable providers, satellite providers, and really even over the air, you, know, you really don't need a television antenna anymore to acquire, you know, national or local content. You know, you have, you know, fast channels, which is a, you know, it's free ad supported television that you can get via IP at your house. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, you can get, you know, mm -hmm. then you have subscription channels that you can get. And so you can get your content with no longer, you know, having to have a, a satellite or cable or even an antenna. And really what you're seeing that's happening exponentially over the last just couple of years are people transitioning cord cutters, transitioning to what we call BBO or broadband only homes. So these are people who at one time either had cable or satellite decided to quit using it and then they you know have an internet provider and they decide you know what i don't even need an antenna i don't even need to get broadcast television anymore i can get my local channel off their app on roku or or on apple tv or my fire stick and i'm not going to have an antenna and i'm not going to have and i'm not going to have satellite mm -hmm. i'm just going to get all my content over broadband and that is growing exponentially mm -hmm. and the reason that is troubling for us in the broadcast industry is we still get a lot of our revenue from what we call retrans. So we get paid by cable and satellite providers to use our signal and repackage that and sell it to their subscribers. So they, they pay us a fee for that. And the, when people cut the cord and they stop, you know, subscribing to cable or satellite, we lose money. Now, if they cross over to what we call a VMVPD, a virtual provider, which is, you know, like a YouTube TV or a Hulu, we do get, we get compensated from them, but it is much less money than we get from the traditional cable and satellite providers. So we're losing a lot of revenue, which is greatly impacting us as local broadcasters. 
Mm-hmm. So that's been the biggest change. Mm-hmm. It's a change in yeah. consuming so, content. So absolutely, and, and there's been a lot of changes in. Um, consumer preferences, right? And their behavior in relation to TV viewing absolutely, as well, absolutely. right? Because a lot of, a lot of these uh, uh, consumers are migrating to, to, to digital platforms, right? Basically. Absolutely. I mean, we have units of measurement that we look at every day. We look at metrics every day and we're seeing, you know, consistently every month that, you know, what we call households using television, people using television. It's a metric that we look at. It's a percentage of the universe that has a television turned on, it's it's going down, you know, considerably all the time because folks are again the way that that is measured, you know, is through you know broadcast or cable satellite. It's often the way it's measured. Now they are starting to measure broadband only homes, but um, we're still seeing those households using television going down because people are consuming their content in so many different ways. I mean, you still have people, you know, getting content through a TV screen, but they might be getting it through a smart TV. You know, so they might be getting it through a Samsung app or through a Roku mm-hmm. um, and they're not getting it the way that they have in the past or they're watching it on their phone. They're they're watching it on their tablet. They're watching it on their computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we as a, as a local broadcast industry, we've got to be in all those places, but we also have to be cognizant of how people consume that mm-hmm. content. The content that we put on television may be different than the content that we put on mobile or that we put on um on a tablet, it, it, it might be the same context, but the the way it's delivered might be a little bit different. It might be a little more long form if it's on digital as opposed to broadcast. We might have to keep things shorter because we're bound by, you know, maybe a commercial format that we're not bound by on a digital platform. It gives us a little more flexibility. Um. Well, I think that virtual MVPDs and an MVPD is a it's a multi-channel video program distributor. So a, a traditional MVPD is cable and satellite. A VMVPD is something like a Hulu Live or a YouTube TV. Um, I do think you're going to see mm-hmm. the relationship continue to strengthen between local broadcasters and the VMVPDs. Mm-hmm. I think that you know we are going to work mm-hmm. to create a stronger partnership so that we are you know, fairly compensated for the content that we provide. So I think that's going to help us, you know, on the local side, mm-hmm. continue to bolster our newsrooms because we're going to have that revenue coming in. So I think that's going to, that's going to grow. I just think that those, um, those platforms are still, even though they've been around for a while, they're still in their infancy. Um, so I think we're going to see that mm-hmm. relationship strengthen and grow. Um, I think you're also going to see local you know, content providers, local broadcasters continue to develop our own platforms uh, that we can distribute, mm-hmm. you know, content on. And we're, and we're already finding new ways to monetize that, which I think is going to help us. It's going to help us to replace some of the revenue that we've lost on the broadcast side due to, you know, folks migrating mm-hmm. to digital platforms. So I really think that's what you're going to see happen in the next few years. You know, I think that you know, smart local broadcasters are seeing what we need to do to continue to stay relevant and continue to provide really important, you know, content information to our local communities, because, you know, we need to be in these communities. We've got to make sure that folks have access to this important information. So I think that the smart broadcasters are, are seeing the way forward, and it really is going to be on the digital side of things. 
Yeah. So so I I I love this segue because we can start talking about the importance of mm -hmm. local broadcasting, right? Um, so how do local broadcasters serve their communities during, let's say, weather brands or weather events, breaking news, elections? You know, we, we know lo local broadcasting has a total different right. user case Absolutely. than broadcasting, right? So so let's talk about that. Oh, you know, I think one of the cool things about our job is, you know, we really are serving the communities that we live in. I mean, this is where we live. So it's important for us mm -hmm. to you know, provide that service to our communities. And, and it's, it's really all kinds of things. I mean, you know, it's, it's the, the, the tra traditional things you think of breaking news. If there's a breaking news event in your community that you need to know about, we're going to be there. We're going to be covering it, right? We're here to, you know, keep your family safe, to keep you aware of things. In markets where you have severe weather, which Memphis is one, but, you know, so all throughout the South, the Midwest, you know, we are your first line of defense when it comes to keeping people informed about severe weather. I mean, you know, our meteorologists, local yeah. meteorologists really do save lives. I mean, you see that all the time. We get that first alert. Oh, you know, oh, believe me, we, you know, we, I'm here in Atlanta, as you know, and we have a, a you know, tornado what's, warning. A, a, what's a word for it? Tornadoes, right? We have tornadoes and we've had tornado warnings coming through, you know, where we live. And obviously, you know, the first thing we do is we have a spot in the basement right. where we all go and hide, right? But then we... You know the news that we watch we have we, we, on our phones mm -hmm. is our local TV station because they know exactly where the tornado is, is coming and what the direction is taking and the strength etc. You know that's where we turn to. Yes, to and, and, and that's the obvious stuff. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is just how ingrained we are in helping lift our communities up. You know, there's a lot of things we do in mm -hmm. in this market. You know, specifically to you know, help our community. You know, for one thing, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital is based in Memphis. We are close partners with them. We mm -hmm. help them raise money, connecting with the community to serve and, you know, the children that they're working with and help them to try and cure cancer. You know, that's something we do every year. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with partners. You know, one of the things mm -hmm. that, you know, people may or may not know about Memphis is we do have um, a poverty issue in this city. Uh, there are some very underserved mm -hmm. communities. So we are working with partners throughout the city to try and help with education resources, to help with food resources. Mm -hmm. you know, this is something we can do as a local television mm -hmm. station. We can partner with other folks to help you know, lift up this community. We have, a, we have a statement that we say here all the time at WMC. We partner with um, the YMCA here on a reading program because we, there's research that shows that you know, if children can be reading at a third grade reading level by the time they're in third grade, it really helps them for success in the future and can help them graduate from high school. So we have a, a program that we work mm -hmm. with with YMCA where we're helping, you know, provide, uh, you know, books. Uh, we're helping with, you know, tutors and teaching. There's a lot of things that we're doing in this community that people don't know about to try and lift the community up. You know, we partnered with Google earlier this, uh, and partnered with Google last year to put a spotlight on food deserts and food insecurity and healthcare inequality that we do at the local level. Um, to try and you know, you know, put a spotlight on it and make some change. And one of the things we did, we put a spotlight on a food desert in a community outside of Memphis, and we got a grocery store to come in and build a grocery store there um, so that we could fill that need. So that's that's how local broadcasters, you know, help out in a local community. Absolutely. You, you know, what I, what I find the, very interesting is the fact that, the, you know, when we deal with clients and, you know, we basically are a consulting agency, and we work basically on on projects of of digital nature, 
right? In terms of uh, acquiring leads or selling more or acquiring sales, etc. right? And one of the benefits that we always talk about in terms of the digital platforms is the fact that you can be hyper-local, right? You can geo-target, you can be super local, you mm -hmm. can actually go super niche, right? I find very interesting <clears throat> that TV as a whole, as a medium, is going the other way around, right? Because we all we were already very hyper local mm -hmm. with the local stations, but what's happening with consumer behaviors is that you know we're you know consumers are going towards the primes mm -hmm. and the Netflixes and the Disney Plus, which are these big um, mm -hmm. aggregators yes. of content. Right, and and of course we have the Hulu's and the other uh, uh, you know virtual MVPVs that uh, that that are still offering the, you know that local connection. And hopefully, that's going to continue becoming stronger and stronger in the future. But I find interesting that the digital world is going one direction, mm -hmm. digital advertising, right? While while uh, you know the, the the content world on the TV side is actually trying to go in in, yeah, in the opposite direction. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we do the same thing with our digital advertising. You know, we use broadcast for awareness. It's at the top of the funnel. And then we go down to the very bottom of the funnel with niche targeting on our digital advertising. So, you know, we, we give them a real 360 approach to, to advertising. And we try to use all the platforms that we have available to, you know, help them do whatever it is they're trying to get done, whether it's, you know, sell a widget or create brand awareness, you know, sell a car. You know, we're, yeah. we're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting that there's like two forces uh, going in different directions. It is. Yeah. So so what potential potential consequences do you see for local broadcasting due to competition and this this lack out of revenue that that you've described before? That's like that's a that's a great question because that's probably the biggest headwind that we face as an industry, and it really comes down to local broadcasters are operating under antiquated and what I would consider draconian rules that go back to the 40s and that really haven't changed much. We face so much regulation that, you know, makes it very difficult for us to be competitive. And I think the regulation was, you know, the, the regulation was established in the 40 dates back to radio, but still applies to television. The last time a major rule was that really affected us was in 1996, where you know, they basically came out, the, the government came out and said, well, you know, we're going to limit your ownership ability, you know, and because we're afraid that you're going to create monopolies. And so we're limited to, you know, what we can actually own, where you've got the digital companies. It's the Wild West. They can do whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. And, and now, you know, yeah. we're, we're, and they're, that's our main competition. You know, if, if you tell me that, you know, if I said to you, you know, my main competition is not the ABC affiliate the CBS affiliate, the Fox affiliate in town, we happen to be an NBC affiliate. My competition is Google and Facebook. It's search and social. And they're just gobbling up the money and it's completely unregulated. And if this continues to go down this path, you're, you're going to see local broad, you're going to see what happened to newspapers happen to local broadcast, you know, and well, you, you, you were just telling me, right. That, the, I, that, yes, you know, they're, you want, you want sure, to I sure that's so this is this is you know i had a i guess a fairly prescient moment yesterday um i was doing my quarterly station meeting that i do every quarter with the whole team and it's just a you know state of the industry state of the state of the market state of the station and and i always always open it up for questions and we spent the whole meeting talking about digital mm -hmm. and our chief meteorologist asked the question asked a great question said, jonathan where are we going to be five years from now as an industry and i said you know what 
sadly, you're going to not see as many local broadcast newsrooms in markets across the country. Mm -hmm. And by the afternoon, we got news that there's a company, I'm not going to say which one, that is closing some of their local newsrooms across the country because they just can't be competitive. <laughs> and um, I got a message from one of my old buddies, one of my old mentors, who said, hey, you're not going to believe this, such and such is closing their newsroom. And I said, you know what, we're going to go the way of newspapers. And he said, oh, you may not know this, but the newspaper closed a couple months ago in that same market. Wow. wow. And I think, you know, what's scary about that is I was just talking to a, one of our FCC attorneys in the company who's a great guy and he's super engaged. And, you know, we were talking about it and I was telling you earlier, I, I, I wish I had, you know, the citation for this. So I'm just going to give you this anecdotally. But there's a lot of academic studies out there that just show how important local journalism is in communities. You know, p communities that have active local journalism, they, they tend to be more civically engaged, less politically divisive. It's, it's just better for everybody. And if, if we continue to fall under the, these really draconian and, and just silly antiquated rules, you know, you're going to see this happen everywhere. You're going to start seeing more and more newsrooms close across the country. And then what the government's trying to prevent, which is a monopoly, you're probably going to have one newsroom in a, in a city, maybe. And that's going to be one voice instead of multiple voices. Yeah. And that's, and, and, you know, that's and, 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 and they're not preventing a monopoly on the digital side. No, not because at all. Let's, let's, not let's talk about monopolies, right? You know, there's two advertising platforms, right? Mm -hmm. Meta and Google. Yep, uh, I mean, you can talk about TikTok, you can talk about Amazon, but, you know, those are different and TikTok is not there yet. They're and they, they provide their own uh, measurement. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like TV where you have a third party measuring results. You know, they tell you, you know, their numbers. Uh, mm -hmm. You use their platforms to, you know, and nobody questions if the numbers are valid or not valid or correct or not correct yeah. right and they so talking about monopoly uh, and hey talking from from the perspective of somebody that leaps from from digital mm -hmm. uh, advertising uh, having having been in the tv industry for so many years uh, i can see that there's a disparity in regulation that it's not uh, that is not fair yeah right? well in 1996 it, there was nobody that was thinking there was going to be you know, all of these, you know, fan companies, you know, dominating, you know, dominating the ad market. They couldn't predict that. But if, if we're still living under those rules when none of that existed, that's just going to harm, you know, these local broadcasters. And, you know, we, and we provide a really, really important service. And, and we've proven that we invest in our communities. That's the other thing. You know, um, when, when we come in and, and if we acquire a, a, another broadcasting company or we require a station, our company specifically, we always invest. We invest in local journalism because we know how important it is. That's what we do. It's at the heart of what we do as a company, and we believe in it. You know, it's not. It's not just. Uh, it's not lip service. You know, and and I think most broadcasting companies have that that same belief. They will go in and invest, but we may not be here to invest much longer if we don't if we don't make some changes. Of course. So let's talk about the strategies for local broadcasters to remain relevant and competitive, right? Let's, Absolutely. Let's, 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 let's now, uh, you know, turn to that. Um, can local broadcasters embrace change and adapt to new platforms? Is that, do you think that's possible? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're, you're seeing it across country now. Is everyone doing it? No. Okay. Should they be doing it? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you know? like, we're, we're a very, very mature industry, right? You know, and sometimes it's hard for mature industries to pivot. 
Um, But if you have, you know, the right leadership that is going to sort of look ahead and see the writing on the wall, which I believe, you know, our company does, uh, we really embrace digital. You know, you've got to move forward. As a matter of fact, my my news leader today is meeting with his management team to discuss what we talked about yesterday in our station meeting and saying, guys, this is what we got to do. This is exciting. This is fun. You know, so for us, it's constantly developing new ideas and, and I hate to use it because it's, it's used so often, but and, you know, it's such a Silicon Valley saying, but to fail fast, you know, you've mm-hmm. got to get out and experiment, right? Um, mm-hmm. We have the ability now, and we have this massive audience that is on digital, you know, and, and, and our timing for this is perfect because the day before we were, reco- we were recording this, and I had this meeting yesterday, I was able to show our staff all these metrics, right? Mm-hmm. And I showed them that, look, guys, this is the reality that we face, mm-hmm. that our households using television and our people using television in this market are down by a Mm -hmm. significant percentage, which has Mm -hmm. impacted the ratings being down by a significant percentage, not just on our channel, but across our market. Mm -hmm. And that directly impacts our revenue because the way broadcast sells spot advertising is we go to agencies and we negotiate, you know, they come to us with a buy and they say, Hey, you know, such and such advertiser is going to spend this much money in the market. Give us, mm-hmm. you know, what you're, you know, give us a deal. Let's see what we can negotiate. And there was a time where you could negotiate that because you had personal relationships. You had people doing this for a long time. Well, now the people that are doing this, the buyers, they're just young people right out of college. They have software that they put the ratings into and it spits mm-hmm. out. What they're going to be willing. To. It's, it's all automated now. It's all automated and you can't really negotiate it. So it's purely based on yeah. revenue. That's directly impacting our revenue. Yeah. It's based on bids, right? It's ba- Exactly. It's, ba- it's based mm-hmm. on cost per points. And so I was showing our folks that, you know, these numbers are down, but let me show you these numbers. And so I pulled out our digital metrics and I looked at just unique users. I looked at our Mm -hmm. uniques for January, February, March, and April. Each month we had about on average between four and 5 million uniques Mm -hmm. across all of our platforms. So that's connected television, our OTT platforms. That's our mobile. We have a couple mobile apps. That's our desktop. So it's all of our platforms, not including broadcast. Those unique users dwarfed what we had on broadcast. Mm-hmm. So you're, and what I told him, I said, you're telling me that we can't find advertisers that would love to be in front of 25 million eyeballs, sets of mm-hmm. eyeballs over the last four months. Mm-hmm. I said, but you've got to get out of the thinking of how we do broadcast television. This is a different medium, yeah. a different way to sell it, but we've got this massive audience. And so we're, we're looking at, you know, so now we're monetizing that. And then that's what's changed. Exactly. Which, which was what, what I was going to ask you. You know, what are the ways that local broadcasters can find new sources of ad revenue? You know, what, what is it that you can do to monetize those, those eyeballs? The most important thing right now is educating our, our clients. Because okay. a lot of them, you know, a lot of our clients are mature businesses that are used to advertising on television. Sometimes they don't understand the power of digital. They don't understand how we can target and geofence and really get down to such a niche level to really oh, you face the same issues that we face then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> first, it starts with educating. So our staff needs to really be educated. So that's on us as leaders. We've got to make sure they know what they're talking about. <clears throat> and they've yeah. got to make sure that they're going out and really evangelizing how important digital is and that we're not uh-huh. giving up on broadcast. It's still a great business. We still can do, we still pull in a lot of revenue, mm-hmm. but you know, because like you said, consumer behavior is changing, right? We've got to, and what I told our folks is we got to fish where the fish are. I said, we've got, we got some fish over here. We got, we got people watching news on our broadcast platforms, but holy moly, we have an ocean full of fish over here just waiting to be caught. 
Yeah. You know, and so we are, we're using the power of all these platforms and we're doing things like bundling, right? That's a big part of it. So, you know, we're saying you're going to get, you're going to get messaging on broadcast. We're going to do very specific targeting across maybe this platform. We're going to do, you know, messaging on CTV. We've got all these different places where we can do messaging and the messaging can be different, right? Mm -hmm. So on one, you can't do the same commercial on broadcast that you do on a social platform or on, you know, our CTV platform or on mm -hmm. our mobile. It can't be the exact same message. First of all, somebody yeah. doesn't want to sit through a 30 second commercial on their phone before they get to a yeah. piece of content, right? Yeah. So that, that is a lot of it is figuring out, okay, what are ways we can change our messaging? You know, what are mm -hmm. things that we can do? And, and I'll, you know, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that we do here at the station is every week we have what we call the digital think tank. We meet mm -hmm. every week and it's a cross departmental meeting with the sales, some of, some of our sales executives, our content executives, and our marketing executives. And we spitball ideas. We brainstorm. And it's like, well, mm -hmm. what if we tried this? Let's let's figure out. Can we can we try this? Let's 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 try this bundle. Let's try packaging this. Let's this is unique. Let's do maybe non-spot revenue this way. We'll traffic it differently. And we come up with these crazy ideas, and then we go experiment with it. You know, and some of them are working, and some of them don't work. We go, okay, that didn't work. That didn't work. Let's scrap that. And then next week we come in and we say, well, you know, we measure if it's working. We go, you know, that that worked pretty well. Let's build mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, you know, prototyping, yeah, what is called prototyping, right? It's you know, prototyping, testing, and, yeah. and, and we're A/B testing stuff, and, and that's what we're doing. And you, you got to get on board. But here's the here's the important part too: not just the advertising on digital. You have to create content for digital. We can't just put our news that we have on TV and just slap it on our our phone or slap yeah. it on, you know, our CTV app or slap it on desktop. We're constantly feeding the beast, and the most critical part of that is video. So what you hear mm -hmm. in this news, what you hear in this this building every day is video, 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 video. Oh, yeah. Video, 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 because that's what we can monetize. And we can take a broadcast story that might have been a minute and 20 seconds in our six o'clock news. And, you know, the beautiful thing about digital is I tell my team all the time, it it transcends boundaries, right? We're not bound by a network schedule or a commercial schedule. So that mm -hmm. minute and 30 second minute, 20 second story at six, we might be able to do a seven or nine minute piece on multi on digital platforms. We can do a 30 second piece cut down yeah. or maybe social. So these stories that we can tell pay dividends, right? I say these have dividends. We oh, yeah. Story and we can we can have all these touch points and reach this huge audience. And that huge audience, each one of those touch points gives us an opportunity for a message for one of our clients. Absolutely. I, I, you know, when I talk to clients about uh, exactly this point, which is uh, basically content marketing, right? Uh, you know, in this case, it's video but it's, and it's stories, but it's content marketing. I talk about the concept of mining, right? I imagine you have a big rock and the big rock is a story or the topic of the month or of the week or the show. That's, that's the big rock. And then you mine that rock for smaller rocks, right? So you have this big rock and you mine it. And out of that mining comes different pieces of, of rocks that are part of that big rock, right? So let's say a big piece of content, let's say a seven-minute show on or, or, or a interview on TV can become a one-minute piece on Instagram, could be an Instagram reel, could be a, a blog on the website, could be a poll. 
Absolutely. on, you know, it could be so many things, right? So you're mining that big piece of content into different things that you can actually then use to promote and monetize and, and, and increase, increase awareness, right? So I, I, I love that example that, that, that you just gave us because that's exactly how content marketing should work. And I think the good thing about coming from TV is the fact that you're already generating the big rocks. You already are a machine of content generation. It's now about how can you use that IP that you're generating and mine it into different ways of monetizing it, right? Yeah. Or, or using it. And really just getting out of that, you know, again, mature industry, big boat takes, you know, it takes a long time to turn that big boat, but you've got to get out, you've got to get your sellers and our, our marketing consultants to understand that there's so much opportunity outside a 30 second commercial on broadcast. Yeah. You know, it's hard for them to wrap their head around, like you just said, putting a message for our client partners on every one of those little pieces of rock. So yeah, we mm -hmm. might be losing audience, right? And we might be losing some of those 30 second opportunities or the value of those 30 second opportunities on broadcast, but you now have 14, 15 other opportunities here. And it may not be at the same total value of that 30 second spot, mm -hmm. right? When you, when you first look at it, you know, that, that one little rock is not going to equal what that 30 second spot was, mm -hmm. but those 14 rocks are going to dwarf that 30 second spot, right? Exactly. And, exactly. And, exactly. You know, I, I showed a, a, I showed an example yesterday where, you know, I, I was telling the team, I said, look, we, we had the Olympics last year. Mm -hmm. And I said, part of how, you know, I'm measured and, and my director of sales is measured. We have something called pacing. I was explaining pacing to our staff. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we doing this year compared to exactly how we were doing at this time last year? And I said, mm -hmm. you can't do that during an Olympic year because we had Olympics and we had the Super Bowl last year. So you can't compare us to 2022 because that's a lot of money that's no longer in the market. I said, so we got to go back and look at the last quarter after the Olympics, you know, the last Winter Olympics we had, which would have been 2019 because we had the Winter Olympics in 2020 or 2018. Mm -hmm. and what I showed them, I said, look, the local spot revenue in the, in the whole Memphis market is down considerably. I said, but the digital revenue is actually up more than the local spot revenue is down. Yeah. I said, so this explains our point perfectly. If you don't think digital is going to get to that point where it surpasses broadcast, you're crazy. So we've yeah. got to be attacking that digital because there's just so much opportunity. And they're getting Absolutely. it. They're excited about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So <clears throat> we're, we're coming to an, to an end here, but I have a couple of more questions. And first one is, what trends do you expect to see in the coming two to four years in the industry and how local broadcasters can prepare for them? Mm -hmm. That's that's the first question. And then I'll close with more of a personal question after that. Okay. Well, you know, like I said before, if we, we as an industry have to continue to go to Washington, D.C. and mm -hmm. rally on our behalf, I think that's mm -hmm. critical for us. We're going to have to get some change at the government level to allow us to be competitive with our digital counterparts, or else you're going to see local newsrooms across this country begin to close. We're mm -hmm. going to have to get some of these antiquated laws changed and even the playing field a little bit, because if we don't, mm -hmm. we're going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. That's the big thing, because we can compete if it's fair. You know, mm -hmm. we, you can see, I mean, we're, we're, we're doing the same, we're talking about the same thing that these digital companies are. We're just bound by different rules, right? Yeah. So we've, we've got to even the playing field. So that is, that is something I'm concerned about. And I think as an industry, you know, their lobby is very strong. You know, we don't have that strength. They have a lot more money than we do. And so we're going to have to get a few people on our side to help us change some of these rules or else 
it's it's going to affect local broadcast. So that's something that I'm fearful of. Mm-hmm. But I think there are some good thought leaders in our industry, and I think there's some momentum for us to get some change. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have to find some people on the Hill that are going to have our back. Support you. Help us out yeah. with that. So that's going to be something that's critical. I, I think you're going to continue to see local broadcasters embrace digital, embrace their own fast channels. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see that. I think you're going to see sports broadcasting change dramatically. Uh, mm-hmm. With you know RSNs, regional sports networks are, are really struggling right now because of cord cutting, and I think you're going to see local broadcasters maybe move back into uh, being able to provide sports across their markets like they used to back in the 80s and 90s. You used to watch professional sports on your local channels. I think you might start to see that um, mm-hmm. as that as as we continue to see cord cutting happen. Um, and I think really the big thing you're going to see is digital. You know, maybe not in the next one or two years, but you're going to start to see digital surpass broadcast revenue dollars. That is eventually going mm-hmm. to happen. You know, yeah. digital, you know, right now, broadcast is still the brunt of where we get our revenue. That's going to change. That's going to change. Wow. So, so on the personal uh, on, on the personal question, uh, what advice would you give to someone starting out in the TV industry today? Um. So that's a great question. One of the, one of the things we talk about a lot is embrace technology. You know, mm-hmm. you need to learn as much as you can when you're getting started, you know, learn how to edit, you know, learn how to, um, you know, use technology to your advantage. I think that's critical. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, be curious is what we tell people. That's one of the things I've seen disappear a lot from folks. Yeah. Is I'm not seeing curiosity as much as I did when I was younger. I want to see curious journalists come in that they're curious and they understand how to use technology to be great journalists. I think that's going to be really important for them Uh, because, you know, look, the days of having a reporter, photographer, audio guy, editor, blah, 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 that that's gone. You know, you've Mm -hmm. got to be able to know how to do all of it. You've got to know how to edit. You've got to know how to use software. You've got to know how to use a camera. Um, You know, that's going to be really important. And you've got to also understand how to get your content across multiple platforms. So that's, you know, that's what I'm telling folks is embrace technology, but also be curious because if you're not curious, you don't want to be a journalist. At the end of the day, we're still here to you know seek out the truth and hold power to account. And you can't absolutely be curious. Absolutely. And you know, a, a side note to all of these is uh, to remind everyone listening to this podcast that um, there's never been more video available or more need for video ever in history absolutely. than today. Right. So if you're a, an executive or a young person trying to move into the TV industry, you know, I would, I would, I would add to what you just said uh, to broaden your horizons and understand that TV now has many, many different forms, right? And okay. there's a lot of opportunity. And as long as you're working on the content, on the content side, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of need. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of need of content, of production, uh, original, live, sports. Um, you know, there's going to be uh, a lot of need because there's not, never been so many screens. Now, now, now everybody has a screen in their hands. Mm-hmm. So, 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 yeah. I mean, I think it's a great, pl- a great time to, you know, to be in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's tough from some per- perspectives, right? Because there, you know, there, there, there are some elements of the industry that are facing some challenges like we just discussed, but some right. other elements, you know, there's so much opportunity as well, right? So, right. so it's an interesting, it's a very, very interesting time. Um, it's evolution. It is. It is. And look, the economy is going to get better too. I mean, we're seeing, you know, it really feels like Silicon Valley right now is in a recession. You know, we're seeing a lot of change, but things mm-hmm. will get better. There's going to be opportunity for folks. We just have to ride it out just like we always do. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time and for your insights. And, and uh, I really appreciate the, your candor and, and, and uh, you know, the way you, you uh, express all of, these, uh, all of the, these thoughts. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you. And, and thanks, everyone. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.